Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly Baptiste. Good morning, Beverly. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Jenny. It's warming up here. How about where you are? It feels like the coldest summer type weather we've ever had because we're sitting here as we record this in the middle of June and we've barely been tucking up above the 70s, which for our area is not common at this point in June. So it's really, really cool, which is nice since I'm moving and working on all that packing and carrying things to and from is is better in 60 yeah. degree weather than it is in 80 degree weather. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Okay. Um so our sponsor this month we're this is the last episode of June mm-hmm. and we have had the Top Stitch Makers community as our sponsor this month and they've given 3 month memberships for four different people. Um, and you can find them on Instagram at topstitchatl. And you can learn all sorts of fun stuff with them. And they have a community there. And if you go to our website, you can see a short video. There's a short video tour that Lee's made. And it's it's awesome. I'm a member of the community and have been for quite some time. And I really enjoy it. Um, I like uh, seeing some of the questions and being able to help folks out. They have a forum that's called essentially, um, what do I do now? Sort of a forum where when there's a problem and you're sewing or you've got a question, you can go and ask oh, it cool. and people pop in with answers. And I, I like it. All the forums are sort of, to me, kind of casually named, like they're named, like you and your friends would sit around and be like, well, what would we call it if we wanted help? Yeah. And whatever you might call it, there's a good chance they're using a name like that. And I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. The live sessions are ones I've attended. I haven't watched a lot of the recorded ones, but I'm always meaning to, and I may do more of that um, once I get settled into my new smaller space because I'm I'm thinking about changing up how I approach my sewing. And I think some of those tutorials are going to be really nice for that. So go take a look at Top Stitch for sure. Um, it's worth pausing the podcast to just go take a look and bookmark it, then come on back. <laughs> okay, Jenny, what have you been sewing? I mean, I've just been moving, so I have sewn a few things, but it's but I packed my my sewing machine away. Um, so I made two more of the Chriswood Glows dresses, one out of a brown yarn dyed linen, which is a little heavier weight than was anticipated for that dress, but I think it came out really nicely. I like the way the the body of the fabric looks with it. And I also made another one out of a purple poplin that was printed by Spoonflower. Now, this is one of those purple designs that um, that was created by myself and a friend um, using line illustration art, and then mm-hmm. and then I used I used um, oh, what's that one called? Procreate on the iPad to change the color of the background and. Oh, it, it's really neat. I'm very proud of it. Um, I'm the only one with the fabric, so that's extra cool as well. And I made that one as a version of the glow. Now, the glow has those elasticized shoulders mm-hmm. and an elastic waist and then a gathered, um, then a drop waist with a gathered skirt on it. And in the case of the purple one I just made, I skipped the drop waist and I gathered a skirt onto the bodice and uh, left the elastic waist off so it's a little bit looser. And, but I did do the elastic at the shoulders. So it's more of a, it's not a drop waist dress. It's more of a sort of a traditional waist 
dress. And I really like that one. I thought it was awfully fun. Although to be fair, I've just sold most of my closet and that one is on its way to a new home. Um, (laughs) And then finally, I made myself another Erotica by Made for Mermaids. And I made this one after going to Fine Fabrics in Norcross, Georgia with Erotica herself and picking up some fabric that both of us bought. And we both used it in the same way to make a dress where the right side was one color and the left side was the other color. It was this um, knit fabric that's a blend of some sort. I'm not sure what what it's made of. It feels like a cotton blend, but like a heavy blend, like 55, 45 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's a sherbet color and a peachy pink color. And I think it came out really well, but I haven't had a chance to get good photographs of it yet. So it hasn't even made it onto my grid and may not for weeks yet because moving, as mentioned. So not really my focus to get those photographs. Um, I've packed up everything in the sewing room with, uh, with one notable exception, my foot pedal for my baby hawk out there. (laughs) It was always scooting around under the table when I would sew with it when I got the machine several years ago. And so I got like ordered off of Amazon some of this invisible two sided sticky tape for putting Mm -hmm. things down, you know, the stuff, the stuff that always says it's really, really good. It's not moving anywhere. And I'm like, whatever. I've never had anything stick well. So that's not going to be true. So I stuck it on there, put it down. And sure enough, for weeks and weeks and weeks, I was constantly having to pull the pedal back out and make sure I push down on it again to get it positioned. And then it'd stay put for a few weeks and before roaming. At some point, I know I didn't notice that it had quit roaming. Mm-hmm. And at this point, years later, trying to get this thing up, I... I have no idea if I'm going to succeed in getting this off the floor without <laughs> damaging the pedal. But um, as you or talked floor. It with me, or the floor, I'm going to start by using, I'm going to go out to the hardware store today and I'm going to get like a putty wedgie spreader thingy and a mallet. And I'm going to put that down at the bottom and try and use the mallet to get it, convince it to get off the floor. Mm-hmm. And then I'll put a piece of wax paper or something on the sticky stuff <laughs> until I can use some goo gone to take mm-hmm. it off. Yeah. Because I'm I'm not going to use this as my method, obviously, in a rented apartment. This will, mm. having proven itself to be truly sticky, mm-hmm. this will definitely not be the solution I'm looking mm-hmm. for. Um, but that is that is the one sewing thing that is in no way packed right now is my my foot because I can't get it off the floor. <laughs> How about you? What have you been up to? Well, I haven't been doing much sewing. I've been very busy. I um I was uh still not doing so great like we when we spoke right right after we spoke um 2 yeah. weeks ago. I still was, you know, not feeling great. So I was really relaxing a lot. And then this last week, oh my god, Jenny, we had 3 dinners out. Like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It was like a lot. So (laughs) exhausting. Um, So anyways, I'm just getting back (laughs) to my obrigada dress. I'm showing Jenny the fabric. And um, it's it's going to get done today. I think I think it's going to get finished. I've uh, I've got the front placket done on it and everything. I'm I'm excited to have that done with. It's like one of these things that's been in the process a little too long, where I'm starting to dread doing it. So it needs to get done today. So, um, but that's it. And we have some new patterns that could be inspirational for that. 
Yeah. The first one is from Forest and Thread. It's called Damn Good Dress. I love that name. Um, it fits up to a 60 inch hip and it features both a V-neck and a crew neck. The dress is loose fitting while still being, uh, well, we're not going to eat use their language here, but uh, it's loose fitting, but it has a belt that includes elastic. I really like this dress. The thing that bothered me about going to their website is there's no line drawings. Now I saw a version where I'm sure when you buy the pattern, you can get the line drawings. I find it irritating when a pattern company does not include the line drawings in the images that you that you look at for the like when you go to their website yeah yeah I agree with you like the dress it but it is it is definitely a really cute dress what's funny is I I have this pack you do I've had it for some time and I've not made it so it's not a new pattern I don't think it is but I was gonna go and look and see if it's a new sizing because when I bought it, it only came up to, well, it went up to a size 30, but I don't know what that means. Oh, I think that's, I think that's a 60 yeah. inch hip. Well, yeah. I just saw it on there. Um, that's interesting. I thought it was a new pattern. Well, we'll find I'm not out sure. So when I bought it, I went and looked to see when I bought it. I bought it from a company called Brooklyn Motif Printing. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And they get, they had relationships with mm-hmm designers and had permission to print things you'd bought from those designers, right? Like there was a specific way you Mm -hmm. had to upload evidence of purchase and all these things. It was a way, I think, to try and make printing feel less likely to involve theft from designers. Okay. You know what I mean? Because where we go and buy stuff, you just upload your pattern. Yeah. And there's an assumption you're allowed to print it, but there's no evidence if you ever bought it or anything else. So Anyway, I bought it from Brooklyn Motif Printing to find out more about it. And it's, I believe it's one of the ones that made it through the culling and it's in my box of patterns to take with me to the new ah. the new apartment because I thought I liked the back design on it so much. So let me just describe you know? this a little bit. It has this like, it's kind of sleeveless, but it's as if it may have grown, it's kind of got grown on sleeves, like very short yeah. grown on sleeves. It's got this V-neck in the front. Mm-hmm. It's very kind of straight with these sides. It's a long dress or like, what do you say? Calf length dress yeah. uh, with, with a deep um, side splits on it. looks like maybe um, mitered corners on the side splits. Yeah. And then um, there's no, there's no waist I don't even know if that's it. There is a seam at the waist um, in the front, but in the back is where the, it's like a back elastic. So it, yeah, it does but with a tie in. in the middle of it, yeah. like it's a back elastic that lets you pull in and it decide the size of it basically. Yeah. yeah. And that was, it's that back that I found so intriguing. Now, one of the things I didn't love about it is the um, underarms seem to be really deep. They do. They look really low. Like that person's not wearing a bra, that one wearing yeah. the orange, you know, dress. Like that, my bra would show there. Oh, 100%. But I thought it was such an intriguing design that I bought it because I thought yeah. it was it was really neat. But I wasn't enamored of it enough to immediately make it. And yeah. I moved on to something else by the time it arrived. 
which is really the problem with me having to have patterns sent to me is that often when they arrive, I'm like, God, why was I going to make that? Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> like the moment's passed. If I had, and no, I will not be buying one, and actually a large printer to print these the AOs on, I'm sure yeah. I would make more, you know, because I'd print it and be like, I guess I'm making that right now. But what I need to do, I've brought my projector and I called my patterns really huge. I do plan to learn how to use the projector in the new place. All right. Yeah, I okay. don't think you believe me. I don't either, though. Yeah, um. <laughs> I don't. I don't believe you actually. Um, so the next one we have is from Helen's Closet. It's actually two patterns, but the first one is the June shorts and pants. They go up to a sixty-two inch hip. They're a simple elastic waist pants. But what I thought was really interesting was all the different designs for the the two different designs for the um, yeah shorts. Short. Yeah, she's got like a tulip. Thing kind of like the Friday Pattern Company sport shorts. Yeah, like the sport shorts. Uh-huh. And then a regular straight one. So I thought that was kind of cute, but they're just a simple elastic waist drawstring pants. Look very comfy. Absolutely. And a and a reliable elastic waist drawstring pants is always something good to find. And Helen's Closet does really nice instructions. So yes. I'm sure those are going to be lovely. And they've also got the closet, Helen's Closet Cassidy wrap chest, which goes up to a 62-inch chest. <laughs> you said that top. <laughs> I know. I'm so messed up right now. You've got to understand how tired I am. Um, and they describe it as a fun pattern that'll become a favorite in your wardrobe. There are two views provided, and you can easily mix and match to get your perfect wrap top. A is longer and has short grown-on sleeves and a narrow waist tie. And B is cropped, that's my version, and features longer sleeves and a wide waist tie. I would skip the longer sleeves. Mm-hmm. Both views have a top stitch neck facing and gathers under the bust at a center back waist. And it can be dressed, uh, styled as dressy or casual. And you can make a big bow or wrap it around and make a small knot in the front. And I thought these were, I, I like these. I really like yeah. the version that's the cropped version um, with the short grown on sleeves. I think that looks like just so much possibility there. And I can yeah. imagine wearing it over like my yesterday dresses or other slip dresses. I like the idea of wearing it over something so that it doesn't really matter if the front is too yeah. low or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is a key for me because I find overall that I really am just sharing an awful lot about my bra choices when I wear a wrap top. <laughs> yeah. I usually use a pin. Yeah. <laughs> So the next one, (laughs) (laughs) I wondered when we were going to talk about this one. The next one is Tilly and the Buttons. And if you have not seen any of the controversy around the SD launch, I would recommend going to Tilly's Instagram feed and taking a look. Um, When she posted the photos of the, at the launch, um, You've got the picture that we're sharing in our show notes, which is a purple and yellow background on which you see two people. You have a straight-sized model standing in a two-piece top that looks like the top two-piece outfit. The top is tucked into the pants. Um, The pants are wide leg. They fit nicely. The top is sleeveless with straps, and it appears to fit nicely. Um, Blonde lady staring out at us looks pleased as punch. Off to the right, you have a fat-sized model wearing a top that appears to fit nicely and a pair of pants that absolutely don't. Um, yeah. they, are, they are too short in the bit that scoops under. Um, to properly fit, you are, you are privileged to see more of her anatomy than was probably intended. 
there's some straining um, underneath where you've got some wrinkles that indicate poor fitting. These are just badly fit. Ithaca Maven could have made much better choices regarding how these were going to be sized and put on this model. What's incredibly distressing about it is, first off, when it was pointed out, when people said, hey, what the hell? (laughs) What's going on here? Her answer was, oh, we know they don't fit very well. We've adjusted the pattern. Yeah. And... That was it. That was the whole explanation for it. Now, this was a set of pictures that they took of a pair of pants that I could have sewn up in two hours from cutting to finish. And they chose on the day they took their photographs to say, eh, doesn't matter if it looks good or fits correctly on the fat model. We're still going to move ahead and have physical patterns printed with these images on them. Yeah. This isn't a matter of a PDF. They can just swap the image out. Although, Certainly by the time they got the printed patterns back, they could have opted to go for properly mm-hmm. fitting clothing mm-hmm. on the website images and so forth. And they they did not. For me, this is something we talked about when Tilly first released dresses in fat sizing um, a couple years ago. And you you had heard of Tilly and the Buttons because that's, I think, part of your journey to understanding mm-hmm. that not all patterns come in all sizes. Mm-hmm. With starting with, I could teach someone to sew using Tilly patterns because they're so great for beginners, except, oh, wait a minute. They don't include beginners that are above a 50 something inch hip or maybe Mm -hmm. a 48. It was something in that 50 ish range anyway. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I'm like, I don't know who Tilly is. (laughs) It's probably, I probably ran across one of her patterns somewhere, but years ago when I ran across one that didn't fit me, I'm like, okay, I'm not even going to follow that person because why would I? There's nothing Mm -hmm. there for me. Since upsizing, Tilly has continued to have some pushback on some of the fit issues and so forth that have occurred, but there's been a question. Did Tilly actually have a change of heart or did Tilly just decide she had to? And Mm. this to me feels like Tilly decided she had to and doesn't really care about what the result is for her fat customers. And I think that's frustrating. A really simple top like this with a simple elastic waisted pant is something there's tons of in the market. So there's absolutely no reason to have to go and buy this pattern from Tilly. Yeah. But for the quality of the beginner instructions, how much nicer would it have been if it had been something that fit or if Tilly's response had been, oh my God, I can't believe the wrong artwork got out here this mm-hmm. was our intention and had actually tried to fix the problem. So we had discussed it when it happened and, and, you know, I'm embarrassed. I didn't even notice because, you know, your eye goes to what you think is going to be the fit for you. Yeah. And I looked and, you know, I, it looked fine to me, but it was cause I wasn't really paying attention. And then, you know, once you see, it's like, Oh yeah, it doesn't fit her. I kind of can't imagine like, so she knew she knew there was a problem with it. So that's yep. that's interesting because I thought the answer was, oh, they, that they didn't even notice there was a problem. But nope. when she said we did know there's a problem and we changed the pattern. I'm just surprised. Like a lot goes into yep. this. Like, why wouldn't months just... and months and months of work? How could you get to that point? I mean, even before they changed the pattern, like that that could have been fixed so quickly for that model. You know, there could have been a fit adjustment done on that. And yeah. I imagine if the crotch had been hanging down, you know, like four inches low on the, on the straight size model, they would have fixed it. Yep. I, I mean, 
I have to assume that that's what they would have done. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put the link in for uh, for the conversation on the Instagram. So okay. if you're interested in this and you want to, you know, you want to go ahead and <laughs> and make the effort to go and find out some more about it, um, I'm going to give you the the quick path to get in there. Um, it's all in the comment threads there. Tilly only responded, I think, once to uh-huh. anyone who was critical. Every single other response that she made was to people who um, just love Tilly, no matter what happens. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I got to tell you, as a fat sewist, some of the most disappointing comments I've read are in that thread where people are essentially apologizing for it and saying, hey, it's not that big a deal. It's not even that big a bad a fit anyway. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That's why I don't buy ready to wear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because this is the level of fit that ready to wear affords. Yeah. And if if Tilly can't do better than that, why would I want in any way to make or promote anything that she does? I'm I'm still mad about it. Actually, going back and reading about it again, I'm mad again, madder maybe even again. You know, it just pisses me off. So, yeah. so I'm a little annoyed. <laughs> um, so if you want to be annoyed, you can just follow our link. Okay. Well. What we're here to do today is to talk about the PF, Just the Tip. Yeah. And I think it has been a fun month to watch because I've seen people putting up stories, which are a little bit harder for us because you don't end up with a permanent link for it, right? You just, Mm -hmm. it's in the moment. Mm -hmm. So people have popped up stories, but they've also done sharing like this. I've had people tag us in comments to say, hey, this is, you know, this is a great tip. Go check it out and use our hashtag and so forth. So it's been fun to see some of the things that have come up. I do think some of the tips are very much in our spirit, sort of like this first one by Creative Nick, which is C-R-E, the number eight, I-V-E underscore Nick. This particular tip is, yeah, don't burn a hole in the front of your garment by ironing on the wrong temperature when you're tired. Yeah. Yeah, which is a very valid tip and one that I feel certain both of us could have used at some point in our sewing that's career. That's true. That's true. And that's what <laughs> happens too, because you're trying to get the last bit done when you're really tired. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, yeah, that's a because good tip. it just needs to be done now. And also you're tired. So yeah, I love that tip. Um, it is one that, that I will not always remember. <laughs> the next one is from Jamila Singer. And um, this is, a uh, tip for when you're using really nice fabric um, and you don't want to use a pen or chalk for fear that, you know, sometimes when you use the the, the disappearing pen, it doesn't quite disappear or it makes yeah. like a, a white mark or something. Yeah. If you have delicate fabric or something and she says to use masking tape. And I think masking tape is a great thing in my um I tend to use washi tape, but same idea, something that doesn't stick real hard, something that's meant to be lifted off is perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I find off-brand painter's tape is also good for that because it's meant to stick, but doesn't. Um, So so it can be a plus. And that gives you something in blue in case you're marking on something where you'd like something, you know, that stands out a little better. Yeah. It's a great tip. And Sierra Sierra has also offered us a marvelous tip. Um, they had put a had a garment they enjoyed wearing, a particular dress, and they got coffee on it. And so they quit wearing it. 
So the first tip is probably just don't spill coffee on your stuff. But the real tip is sewing a vintage collar on it in order to cover up the stain and have it look how they in a way that they found to be pleasing so they could continue to wear the garment. And I think that just the tip of of remembering it's okay to cover up a stain that you don't have to remove it or stop wearing it is a really good one. I also think so like it obviously it worked out really nice because it would be covered by the collar, but usually right. my stains are right in the middle of my chest and it wouldn't be covered <laughs> that way. But yeah, yeah. um but the idea there is is you know I can do embroidery over yep. a um over a stain. Um, but I like these tips that allow us to keep using these instead of just throwing out something because it has a stain in it. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Actually, it was funny. The other day I was wearing a dress, my husband, <laughs> my husband very casually while we're out. So there's nothing for me to do. Mm. Just kind of walks over and starts looking and I'm like, what? And I look down and I'm like, are, are you looking at that stain? <laughs> He's like, yeah. And I said, so it was ice dyed. I thought it didn't stand out very much. But the second thing is I'm not selling this because it has this stain on it. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I wondered. And I'm like, well, shit, now I know it, it doesn't blend as much as I thought it did. Yeah. <laughs> and of course he does it. What am I going to do? I mean, there's no. Yeah. So my next tip for you would be never point out a stain or other flaw in something that can't be fixed in the moment. <laughs> Let the person be oblivious. Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The next one, I like this one. I like this one a lot. This one is from Margie Makes, and her tip is to write on the front of the pattern, however you store their patterns, how much fabric you actually used. Because that's smart. There's fabric recommendations, and you may think you'll remember, but you won't remember how much fabric you used. For it. And I think it's great so that you know the next time you make it, okay, I need this much. Yeah, I I think that is brilliant. And I don't always remember to do that. I'm good, like you are, I think, at remembering to sort of write the alterations I make on any physical pattern piece I have or the pattern envelope Mm -hmm. so that I can I can recall, oh, that's right. I always cut this two inches shorter or longer or whatever. But I I've never really thought about the yardage. And yeah. that's that's a really great idea because I do carry with me an index card, except I'm going to eventually transfer it to my notes app. But it's literally an index card right now that has the names of common things I like to make and how mm-hmm. much yeah. those take. So, yeah. which is um, a different tip. <laughs> another thing that I do. So with my actual pattern, you know, I make that in general, I make a adjustment at my shoulders. Yes. That's to make it straighter. So what um, I have gotten in the habit of always doing is when I make that adjustment, marking it on the pattern piece, because you can't see it really. You can't notice it. And so then I think, have I done this yet? Do I need to do this? Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. So um, it's good. And so I mark and I'll mark, okay, added one you know, like lowered um, the dart one inch or whatever. So that I know this. And then I tend to have, like, I have kind of a a running thing on the front page of the pattern because I use just like a plastic bag and I put in there like a sheet of paper and, you know, I have kind of a running thing. And I say, you know, made this an inch longer, would like an extra inch next time, you know, yeah, so that I know what to do the next time I make it. But those kind of notes just... 
for me, having it with the pattern works. For some people, they keep a book separate. I I can't keep up with the book. I've tried that. I I wish I was the type of person that like I I think I should be that type of person. I just can't. Okay, so when I get moved into my new place, uh-huh. I finally found the notebook that I was keeping swatches and notes in when I started up sewing again in oh, 2019. Wow. And it is, you know, a notebook's like this, right? It's just a flat thing. This one is like this. Yeah. It's opened almost fully up because of the bulk of the, mm-hmm. the samples. I finally found that. And I think I'm going to share some of that once That's I cool. unpack because it's, it's hilarious to me that I was keeping those kind of notes for months because it's not who I am. Yeah. Um, and I abandoned it when it was like, this book is so useless. <laughs> I need a digital <laughs> way of doing the same thing. Yeah. Because the book was just phenomenally crazy. Um, the next tip we have is from the So So Sewist. And this is using painter's tape to mark the wrong side of pieces as you cut them out. And I love that. I also like they note that you can mark which pieces which if there are a lot of pieces, which I love because I try to take the piece away as soon as I'm done cutting out. And yeah. so I use my little plastic clips that you can have that you mm. have that you can use to hold edges together. Yeah. I always put a clip on the top right-hand side of any piece that I cut out. Okay. Top. So basically if it's on a fold it's top outer side. Okay. If it's if it's a princess themed garment it'll be on the middle one it'd be the top right hand. Mm-hmm. And so that also tells me front from back, right? Yeah, because right. the right hand will give that to yeah. you. So I tend to do that, but I love the idea of the painter's tape because on some fabrics, even where you're doing that kind of marking, it it can be helpful when you've had to move the fabric to cut your next piece mm-hmm. to remember which of the sides you meant to be, the front or the back on yarn dyed, for example, yeah. where it really could be either. It's up to you, but you want to be consistent. Yeah, so... It's funny because I had some fabric that, you know, I defy anybody. It was like, I don't know, black or navy or something. It was it was fabric like linen that you absolutely can't tell. So I was like unconcerned about which is the front and the back because I was like, this does not this does not right. matter. There's absolutely no difference, which sometimes in different lights there can be. But anyways, in this, I was like, there's no difference until I had two left sleeves because I did one one way and one the other way. Um, you know, I didn't have the right. Yeah. You know, so you do. No, no, <laughs> no. It, I mean, it, it genuinely is helpful. And of course, just like you, the way I came up with my method is because of the time that I did something where I thought it doesn't even matter. It'll be mm-hmm. fine. But now I don't think I have it anymore, but when I would wear it, looking down from the top, I could tell what didn't match. Every photo taken of it, you can't tell at all. Yeah. But looking down from the top, I'm like, well, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) I I will always know that this side is the wrong way. Yeah. And and it, yeah, it would bug me no end. So yeah, some things are, are great for finding out that way. Now, Betsy Carl has a wonderful vintage sewing tip. So a lot of vintage sewing machines don't have a light built in. And if they don't, she's using a loom cube from her camera bag. But you could use any other sort of small light to have set up and give you light aimed at the space that you need. And this is a little magnetically backed 
light. So you've got a lot of options. I, of course, buy those light strips off of Amazon that stick on on the under carriage of your machine, which Mm -hmm. I think is also a way you could do this. And then the second clue was try try using feet from other similar machines on these vintage machines because you may not have to have the exact foot. It may be that, and in fact, for many machines, that's the case. You've got really what low shank, high shank, and slant shank. Mm -hmm. And so if you've got a machine that meets any of those criteria, the whole world just opened up for you because there are a bunch of different feet out there that you can probably find at thrift stores and so on. But you can also buy those kits like Madame So sells where you get 32 feet in a little case. And all you have to know is whether you're high, low, or slant shank in order to buy them. And that can really open up a world. Well, the reason I um, I chose this tip to highlight was that I think that there's a lot of people who wouldn't want to apply an adhesive light to their machine for whatever reason, True. if it's a vintage machine, or maybe they just don't want to add something like something sticky to their machine. And I thought, oh, that's a really good idea so that you can get more light in there. I have yeah. my machine, one of these, um, I have it back from scrapbooking days. It's one of these Odo lights that yeah. um, that gives extra light next to it. But I like this little cube. It looks really bright too. It does. And I've got um, Instagram advertised enough to me, those canvas lights for shooting like you're sewing or taking film or video or things like that. They advertise that enough for me that I um, that I have purchased one of them. And I love it to death. And it's just a light with an articulated arm. Oh, yeah, look at that. It's to it and does really good light. It's unplugged in my workspace now because I'm getting ready to move. But it's um, but it's usually where I have my ring light so mm-hmm. that when I do video for Instagram, I, I have that on in order oh. to brighten things up. But I also frequently use it when I'm sewing, especially dark fabrics with dark threads. Oh yeah. That's the worst. Extra light makes a huge difference, especially if I have to use the dreaded seam ripper. Mm, Yeah. 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 Love it. Okay. Um, the next one I think is a good, uh, tip from Vivian Appler. And the tip is when sewing with double gauze, try to avoid making fussy things like ties And so she made this really um, nice top. And but the reason I included that is so many times I make something with fabric that's um, especially an open weave fabric that's difficult to work with. And then having like maybe it has a bias neckline or something or, you know, so I will use I've learned to use alternate fabrics. If I make a double gauze that something with double gauze that has a bias neckline, I use different bias tape. Like I don't yeah. use the, the self one because it's just, it's just a no way situation. I do not want to do that. Um, and you could do the same, a similar thing with ties. So you could use that fabric for the, for the shirt, but maybe not for the ties. Yeah. And I've started using, I made, of course, a number of these um, Chris Woods glow dresses, which you can do elastic at the shoulders, but you can also do, um, you can do ties. Mm -hmm. And I have twill tape in various widths. Mm -hmm. And what I found is that if I fold my half inch twill tape in half, not to make a, well, it makes a tube, but I'm not trying to turn it inside out. Mm -hmm. I can just zigzag narrowly down that edge. Mm -hmm. And I end up with a great little tie that looks good. Yeah. but isn't 
as fussy as it might be if I was trying to tube turn. So a why would you zigzag instead of just stitching? Well, when I started zigzagging, I was zigzagging the full quarter inch width. Oh. And so I think I zigzag mostly because I was just reducing it to see where I thought it looked best. And I okay. landed on a very narrow one. So you're right. You could absolutely straight stitch it. Okay. But I was trying to do something else when I started. Okay. That's a good point. I could straight stitch, but I've only done it like a couple of times so far. But I think it it works nicely for that. Yeah. Um, now seams are magic has a a hard worn worn um tip here hard one tip here don't cut notches with a rotary cutter which yeah. i have to relearn all the time um because you obviously shouldn't do that and you can end up actually cutting through very easily past the stitch line and have to use all kinds of things to try and darn it up if you're going to continue to use it and not cut a new piece I love the tip you taught me, which is sort of the buttonhole cutters or the notch makers. So you've got a thing that's meant exactly to do this, but you've also got, for me, I use a buttonhole cutter on the last little quarter inch and just pop it through. So this is interesting. You The notch cutter is for the pattern. No, I know that. Oh, oh okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I was like, how could you use that on clothes? Um, so the the thing that, I, I was surprised that people would cut notches with the rotary cutter because I actually, when I get to a corner in my pattern, I don't feel comfortable. Like I don't know where it's going to stop with the rotary cutter. Like it always goes past where I want. So I leave the corner and I use my scissors. Oh, because- wow. No. Yeah. I just accept that I'm going to go past a quarter inch in each direction, unless it's a fabric where I'm that precious about it uh-huh. it doesn't matter that little bit past it isn't going to mess up the next piece I cut oh okay yeah I um I think I'm just less um steady less confident with the rotary cutter but I think that's a great tip yeah and I have <laughs> I have um I have found so maybe this is a lefty thing because a lot of times my um my snips are not left-handed they're yeah. Right-handed snips. But I find that certain scissors don't cut notches well for me. Like I can't get right in there and cut, but I have these um, Ginger thread snips that they, they always okay. work on notches. So those are my notch cutters. Okay. This next one is interesting because I, the tips are at, in a, I think a blog post or a video, a video that they have. And the reason I included this, this is from Amy of Melbourne and she made a milkmaid dress. And, um, that's the reason I put it is because you wanted the milkmaid dress. Oh, so badly. Yeah. (laughs) And so in the video, in the video, she tells you all her tricks and tips for making clothes accessible and wearable for bigger bodies. Awesome. That's really exciting. I'll have to go and take a look. That milkmaid dress has been a long sought after one for plus size sewists because there just aren't a lot of options out there that are already sized for bigger bodies. That's, okay. a, that's a really popular one. Now, I'm going to let you explain string things tip because I don't think I 100% get it. Okay. <laughs> so the string things tip is um, using basically, she has this mallet, which I have never seen this mallet that has like sand in it. And like, if you, if you, um, if you look at the Instagram 
post that she made she shakes it so you can hear the sand in it but i would argue you can also do this with a rubber mallet but what she's saying is if you use this type of mallet or i would argue also a rubber mallet you get a better hit with making uh rivets or those jeans buttons so the regular hammer can like bounce back and it and it doesn't sort of set as well as this that's that's the tip yeah and i i think if i'm understanding it the fact that it's filled with sand like a thing that that kind of shapes itself around a thing mm-hmm. means that when you're coming down on it it's less likely to shift it one direction or the other and it's gonna right. gonna pound straight on because that is like the worst part is trying when you have to mallet it. Now, a lot of the things I do, I've got a tool to apply it with, which makes it a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But but the yeah, I I agree that a hammer hammer is the wrong answer. So that's intriguing. Yeah. I like it. And then Sarafornia has offered us a tip on doing gathers. And I watched this video, I think four times when I first came across it on Instagram. It is essentially what I do, which is setting the length and tension of your your thread as high as you can. But she's got an added piece to it I haven't been doing, which is that she wraps the thread before it comes down and out of the needle into your machine around her thumb Mm -hmm. in order to add an additional gathering factor, like to control the gathers more. And I am dying to try it, but I tried it. I tried it last night. Okay. So... First of all, I don't think she changes the tension on the machine. I think it's just the length. Oh, okay. okay. And then she does the tension with her hand. So I did this. And the problem is I had it really, really tight. And like, I was like, wait a minute, is there any thread going through? And so it was like only the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I think it works. It works just as well as changing the tension on your machine, maybe maybe even better. You get really, you know, nice gathers. I think the tension on the machine actually would work pretty much the same. It's just pulling the tension up yourself and and doing that. I, I'm not sure I have the the hands for it. The problem that I have is that I really prefer to have two lines of thread. Right. And I do um and if you if you gather with tension, then you already have a gather with your first line. So if you want to do two, you you want it to be flat when you go yeah. back to put the ne- next one in. So for me, it's not that helpful of a tip. But if you're trying to do a lot of gathering quickly and you want to and you don't mind just one row of of stitching, uh, I think it's a really good tip. Yeah, I'm eager to try it out. And when I get set up, that's my intent is to give it a go and see how how it works for me. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I think that's our set of tips for today. And that gets us to our end of our episode where we'd like to remind you that you can go off and check out patreon.com slash punk frockers. Um, obviously, we have our monthly bonus episode that goes up. And if you become a patron at the level where you can listen to the episodes, which is with gifts and with benefits, Um, you can go back and listen to the old episodes as well. And you obviously want to, because there are so many great things that you get an opportunity to listen to. That's right. And yeah. And then, um, please go to our website and you can see the clue for next month's. Oh yeah. All right. We will see see you you next Tuesday. Tuesday. 
Punk Frackers is created, produced, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. On Instagram, you can find the podcast at Punk Frackers. You can find Jenny at J.O. Hassler and Beverly at Weeds to Wildflowers. Our artwork and music is created and performed by Jim Duran. You can find him on Instagram and his website at jimduran.art. 